welcome to the Paint, Rest, Repeat podcast with Roz Gervais and Laura Day, where we chat about our creative lives as artists while keeping it real and a little bit messy. We're here to inspire creatives just like you to push past those boundaries and make art that you love. Let's dive in. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Paint, Rest, Repeat podcast. Today, we've got an interview episode and we've got the lovely Susan Nethercote with us. Susan is an abstract floral painter and a mixed media artist, and she's from my hometown in Ballarat. Susan's found success in many aspects as a professional visual artist. She's also my friend and an all-round lovely human. So let's welcome Susan to the podcast. Hi. Hey, Suze. Hi, Laura. Hi, Roz. Uh, so nice to meet you finally, Roz, and great to see you, Laura. I mean, we do chat on the regular and catch up. So, But this is lovely to be on your podcast because you actually helped me start my podcast, which was many moons ago now, but like, it's only right that I should come on yours. Yeah, I'm so excited to have this conversation and to have you here. You've been working on some really exciting things in the studio. I think today we'd love to dive into your art business, all the different things that you've been doing, and you've got an exhibition coming up too. So diving into that. So maybe give the listeners just a little bit of a background I feel like a lot of our listeners might know you, but for those of the listeners that maybe don't know, yeah, what has your art journey looked like? Okay. Well, my art journey kind of started late. It was, I mean, I'd always painted and drawn when I was younger, but my first career was in fashion design, which I did in Melbourne for like a decade and a half. And then I had my babies in my late 30s. And that's when I had that magic window that a lot of women discover when they have kids that they, you know, I don't know, there's something about it, I think, where there's something about that creative process, I think, that it reawakens lots of levels of creativity in you. And I started painting again and yeah, it just grew from there. I was obsessed. At the time, I did have a consultancy business, which didn't last long because all I wanted to do was paint. So I just took loads of online classes. I'm a, I went to school, art school online, as I think many of us do these days that never had the opportunity to go you know, at uni. And I was just prolifically painting for the first few years. I was just in love. It was a very powerful healing journey for me as well. I was going through some big healing stuff in my personal life and healing old traumas. And so the painting really helped with that process. And and I started an Instagram account and started posting these time lapses of me making my paintings. And this was kind of back before many people were doing that. And they got a lot of traction and my Instagram grew pretty fast, pretty quickly. And I got a really good following there. And for the first, I don't know, it was probably about 18 months, two years into that journey, that process began. And then it just went nuts for a while. And I was, I couldn't paint fast enough to keep up with people buying it, which was a really exciting thing to happen. That also burnt me out a bit. And I found myself, you know, going crazy with the painting and just feeling really dried up and burned out. So I had to slow things down again and just reconsider. And I started this podcast. You came into the studio, I think around that time and started helping me with packaging and stuff because I just couldn't keep up with it. 
And then Steph came on a little bit later and we were doing the podcast and through COVID started doing e-courses. So it's just been this snowball of different evolutions of the business that have taken place that have all revolved around the art. And right now where I am, I feel like I've kind of returned back to the beginning because for the last six months, I've basically been focusing on this exhibition, which is actually my first solo exhibition. I've focused very much with selling online. So I've never, I did share an exhibition with someone probably about seven, six or seven years ago, maybe. And that's the only one I've done. So this is exciting for me and I've loved this process and I'm very deeply in my art process at the moment. So I feel like I've come back around full circle, but I'm in a totally different place because I feel so much more informed and comfortable in my own art practice and what I'm wanting to achieve and what I'm, you know, what makes me happy. That's probably a good sum up of the last decade of my life. (laughs) Very wordy, but as you know, Laura, I'm wordy. What I love about what you're sharing and what I've seen as well, because I've, you know, been been following you, not in a stalker way, I promise, but I I know what you've been up to (laughs) is that you've changed and evolved and adapted and sort of allowed all those different versions of art, not, I don't mean styles, but versions of art business into your life and just tried out certain things and and just sort of gone with the flow, really. And I think that's really inspirational for our listeners. Uh, That's nice to hear you say that, Roz, because I feel like that is how it has unfolded. And I'm a great believer in in flow and following flow and what's feeling juiced up for the moment, you know, and harnessing that energy and creating out of that. I think that's actually a really important aspect of developing an art business is learning to ride that natural enthusiasm that comes. But it can be a double-edged sword as well, because sometimes you can be excited by too many things and take on too much. And I think probably most of us have experienced that from time to time. And yeah, so it's a balancing act in that regard. But I do think, you know, our internal navigation, our intuition can always direct us where we need to go. Where is the next place for us to evolve into creatively. Hi everyone, we wanted to interrupt this episode just to let you know something super exciting. It's our birthday. November is our birthday month for the Paint, Rest, Repeat podcast and we'd love to celebrate with you. Join us for a morning cuppa or maybe some bubbles in Melbourne CBD on Saturday, November 12th. Head to the show notes and click the Eventbrite link to register. Tickets are free, but you will need to register and we just can't wait to see you there. (laughs) See you then. I think for people that are just starting out, like early career artists, they see people like you that have had success in many facets of the art business and they can get quite overwhelmed. I know like you've experimented with art prints, you've done original art sales, you've done your classes, you've done commissions, you've done art licensing, and I think recently you started on Blue Thumb as well. Yeah, so like for those that are overwhelmed, what point would you suggest for them to start? And like what have you found success on? Like what what has worked well for you in your art business in terms of the income streams or the things that you've focused on? I hear what you're saying because it's a real thing, that stress that comes along with looking at what other people are doing online and feeling like you have to do all the things. And they're all very time consuming to set up initially, a lot of them. And it's interesting, you asked me that question because I remember you being with me in the studio when we 
remember we read we redesigned the website and it was actually like I had done one of those online courses where you learn about all the income streams and then I was trying to implement it and it really burned me out. So I remember that moment really acutely. So, but at the same time, there comes a point where you need to start to take on things to build it. So I think what I've learned through that process is that there's a time and a season for all of those things. And they all are valuable parts of my business that create that steady income. Because as we all know, as artists, that's probably the most challenging aspect is, you know, unless you have like a unicorn period, like I had a few years back where I couldn't keep up with art sales, generally art sales ongoing aren't going to support every artist ongoing. You know, it's just, that's just how it is. Well, particularly in the early years. Okay. So I think we learn pretty fast that we need to find other ways to create a more even flow of income. So for me, I have implemented big things at different times throughout the business. So I tried to do a lot at once at that point I was talking about with you, but since then have learned that I need to just focus on one thing at a time and really assess, is this going to be worthwhile for me? And if I decide that it is, then I focus on that and I set up the back end and I try to set it up in a way that's going to support me keeping it going in the future. So I do it thoroughly, but you can't do it all at once. It's just not possible. There's too many learning curves because each of those components that become part of those new income streams usually require certain set of skills. So you've got to get yourself educated and then you've got to kind of master the skill and set it up and then you're good. But that's like, you're probably talking for most projects really from start to finish three months in a sane life. I mean, I'm sure there are people out there that can smash it out in a week or two weeks, but that's just not possible for me because I have a family and I need to sleep and I have ADHD. So I can't focus for those huge sustained periods. So that would be my advice is see it as like a project that's really realistically going to take a couple of years. If you want to do all those things, you might discover you don't want to do all those things. I did do a period of on uh, in-person teaching workshops, which you came and helped me with in the studio. And then when COVID happened and we were all in lockdown, I made e-courses. And I just discovered that was a way better business model for me in every regard, particularly my own personal energy. I found in-person teaching really exhausting. So I've kind of gotten rid of that. I just removed that from my offerings. And I may do something here and there again, but it's, yeah, I discovered what worked and what didn't and the online works really well for me. So yeah, does that explain the answer to your question? I'm a tangent lady. No, no, it definitely does. Yeah, it definitely does. And I like the concept of seasons. Yeah. You know, going through different seasons in your art business, trying not to do all the things and giving yourself like that timeline, like the three months I feel like for my personal capacity, I might stretch it out longer. You sure? Not three days, Laura. Just <laughs> <laughs> Roz and I have this like ongoing banter like between because I'm more like playing the long game. And Roz is a total different personality to me. And, you know, and that's cool and it's great. And like, I love that we show those different aspects of running creative business. So Roz is very energy rich and excitable and dives like, full headfirst into her projects. But yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? Like you've got to know yourself. You know, you can look at what other people are doing, 
but they might be high energy and you might be low energy. So you've really got to know yourself and you've got to know what work habits support you. And that's something that just comes with living your life and experience and in just watching what's going on and being in tune with your own energy and how it's feeling because it can start to feel really bad when you get out of sync with your own energy. And it's trying all these, like trying these new things. So not just leaping in and just going, right, that's it. I'm going to do that. I'm going to follow that shiny object and smash that plan out. But being open to trying things and then seeing if it fits with you because I don't think there is one road to success. I, oh, I think we want there to be, but there isn't because we're all different and our artworks are different and our lifestyles are different and our hopes and dreams are different. So, yeah, it's, I don't know, watching other people that you admire, like you, Suze, and like you, Laura, and then picking things out of that and going, oh, well, that actually might suit me and my art and my lifestyle and my hopes. So maybe I'll give that a try and see how that goes. So yeah, I love your your story and your take on this. And thank you for being so open as well. I think that's really beneficial. I actually, I don't know how to be any other way. <laughs> you fit in around here. <laughs> yeah. No, well, yeah, well, yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I remember meeting you, Suze, in that exhibition that you shared with someone else. And it was so, it was amazing and it was a very successful exhibition. But then you took a break from your shows and obviously like you went through different seasons, you tried different things out in your art business. So now you've come back a few years later and then you're doing your solo show. What was the point where you decided, I'm ready to make a new collection, I'm ready to have a local showcase and I'm, I'm ready to do a solo show because it takes so much work. I know I've had two. Yeah. So there's like been a few factors that have led into that. So I'll try and work through them reasonably sequentially, but I will probably jump all over the place. So that exhibition, that first one I had, which we, we had a beautiful long conversation. It wasn't long after that, that I reached out to you about coming and helping you in the studio all those years ago. It was a great experience and it was successful and it did make a lot of sales and I did the thing. But I also, in the lead up to that, became a complete insomniac, didn't sleep very much at all in the couple of months leading up to it. So I arrived at it really exhausted and I was so anxious. Like I had an anxiety disorder at that point in time and I was going through trauma therapy. So the decision to step away from the exhibiting as a business model for me was driven by the fact that I simply couldn't do that. Like the idea of going back to it was that I just can't expose myself to that. And I experienced a similar cycle when I ran an art retreat in the South of France in 2017. And it became a repetitive cycle in my life. And I've always been a huge believer in natural medicine and still am like, see my naturopath, big believer in nutrition and treating things naturally. So you know, was trying all the things to try and manage my anxiety and my insomnia, saw so many like high-level professionals and in the end ended up getting on the right antidepressant for me because I'd tried for so many years to manage anxiety and many, as many people would know, anxiety and depression are two ends of a spectrum. So when they treat anxiety, they usually treat it with an antidepressant. Uh, The one that I take helps me sleep at night, which has just been oh my God, I'm so in love with it. It changed my life. And then the other part of it, the insomnia and the anxiety, like I just have had back then this massive, massive fear of rejection. And I have since learned since the other part, the other piece of the mental health puzzle that 
I discovered last year was I finally got a diagnosis for ADHD at the age of 46. So, and one piece of ADHD, which I didn't know about, it's something that you kind of discover when you dig deeper into all the different factors that come with that particular neurodiversity is something called RSD, which is rejection sensitive dysphoria, which is something that a lot of people with ADHD have where they are so sensitive to rejection that it actually feels like they're going to die. So all those nights that I lay in bed, could not being out of sleep, you know, trying to get ready for those events was that. It was, it's this. And so now I'm treated for ADHD. My anxiety is pretty much gone away. My RSD, my sensitivity to rejection and, you know, taking those natural knocks in life is hugely improved. And so that piece made it feel possible for me to be able to face that again, because it had such a bad impact on my whole daily life last, those last couple of events that I did. I was like, I just can't even, I don't want to do it to myself, but it's not really fair to my family. So, you know, fast forwarding to those two pieces of my mental health being taken care of and feeling the best I've felt probably in my entire life. I really wanted to go back there. I wanted to, I knew that it could be a really amazing experience having an exhibition and that the whole picture could be a really beautiful experience. So I really wanted to do that. And the second piece that really made me think deeply about that is the conversations I had with our mutual friend, Steph Wallace, Laura, on my podcast, because Steph's just so, she just brings up, she just makes you think about things differently. She's such a frank person, but also she'd gone on this journey with her own art practice where she was really wanting to just return to the purity of her art practice. And so she was talking a lot about that. And as she was talking about it and also talking about sort of the tyranny that comes along with online selling, I don't know if you guys can relate to that, the online art sales and the launches. And I mean, I've done a lot of those and it's kind of exhausting and a bit disconnected and it's great. It's great that we've got access to it, but I'm really missing that real person element of connecting with people around my art. So we had numerous conversations on the podcast about this topic and it was, she, it was like it reawakened this desire in me to really deeply reconnect with my art practice in a way that wasn't limited to such small windows of time, which is what happens with the online launch model. Like you you sort of create a little collection and then you launch it and then it's over. But I have found after years of going through that process, it's just not as creatively rewarding because you find that you start just making art for the market. Like it's a bit of a thing that I think a lot of people drift into. There's a lot of emphasis in that whole online sales world that you know, of figuring out your style and then sticking to that style and then marketing that style. And it there's not a lot of room for creative growth in that approach. And what I was craving was really expanding and growing as an artist. And what I've always tried to do just to return back around to that different aspects of the business and the different income streams is I try to let the art lead. So all of my e-courses are led by I actually shoot the video and I don't know what I'm going to make out of it usually until after I've made it, which is what I discovered when I actually got into process with it myself. So 
this whole process, the last six months of giving myself that time and that space to just get deeply into my art practice and really explore new things as well and allow myself the space to fully see out that process in, you know, right from sketchbook stage to large works on canvas has just been so fulfilling and soul feeding and all the reasons I wanted to become a professional artist. So that's why I went back to it and why I was able to get back to doing an exhibition because I don't know that I would have been had I not dealt with those mental health issues and found resolution with the problems I was having. I love that you've given yourself, you know, another chance. It's like another another version of the past, but obviously everything's moved on. But, you know, it's like another chance to experience the joys of having an exhibition and working towards a big goal. And I'm jealous that I can't physically make it to attend. Oh, never mind. There'll be lots of online opportunities. I'm going to make sure I can connect with people, but that's sweet. Thanks, Roz. Are you going to do some sort of a live you know, event during the exhibition, even if it's just on, you know, Instagram showing everyone what you're doing or? I think I'll definitely be popping in on Instagram and I'll I'll try and do like some Instagram lives. I'll figure out a pocket that I can do that in in the gallery so I can kind of, you know, show people around and connect with people, but I haven't figured out when. But on the 19th of November, Steph and I are going to record episode of our podcast in the art gallery. So that will be really fun. And thanks, Laura. I was sort of bending your ear last week about, I've been thinking about doing something in there. And I know, Roz, you sort of said, oh yeah, I've been to something like that. It worked really well. So that will be really fun. And I'm just at the moment putting together all of those different pieces of the marketing. So, you know, even though it's an in-person exhibition, I still have to do all the online marketing because most of my audience is online. So I'm trying to think of ways that I can connect the two because I think that's a really special combination as well. Should we give the listeners the specifics, like the dates of your show, your Instagram, the podcast? I'm just going to read it from my own invitation because otherwise I'll get the numbers wrong. (laughs) (laughs) So the exhibition, which is called Autumnal Dreamscapes and it's abstract botanicals and landscapes. Landscape is a new thing for me. That was sort of the, the, the thing that I was exploring more in this body of work. And it's on from on November 5th to 27th. Uh, it's here in Ballarat. It's at the Old Butcher's Shop Gallery, which is 112 Seymour Street, Soldiers Hill in Ballarat. And I will be in there from one to five on Saturdays and Sundays. So it's only open on the weekends. It's an artist-run space. So yeah, and that live podcast recording will be on the 19th of November. So the opening is on the 5th of November for anyone in Ballarat. You're all invited. I'll be there. And it's from four till six. Yay. So yeah, I think that's everything. I read it from my sheet. It should be good. We will put it in the show notes. And your Instagram handle, Susan? I am at Susan, S-U-S-A-N dot Nethercoat, N-E-T-H-E-R-C-O-T-E. And your wonderful podcast as well. Yes, your podcast. I love your podcast, Susan. Oh, yes. Well, it's the Studio Insider podcast, but it's got my name at the start, Susan Nethercote Studio Insider Art Podcast. And yeah, I think I think episode 108 is about to come out. So it's been going for a while. And a lot of the first episodes you were in, Laura. So you can come and hear where it all began. Yes. 
I guess for listeners that are interested in organizing a solo exhibition, that might be something good to listen back to. Yes, because you were having your first solo exhibition when we recorded that. And so we went through, didn't we, step by step, all the different aspects, all the questions for you as they came up, basically, which has been a good resource for me, actually. So I haven't listened back, but I remember the conversations that we had and some of the trickier things we were sort of considering around that process. So yeah, it would be good for people to go and listen through that first season. I've got a couple of extra notes here before we, you know, release you back into the beautiful art studio where you're sitting, Suze. I was wanting to ask you a little bit about collectors because rumour has it you have some a really, you know, positive and helpful and wonderful collectors. How did you start that How did you sort of cultivate that? Uh, Look, do you know, some of my biggest and best collectors are actually friends. So I think for especially starting out, I think, you know, the people around us that love us want to support what we're doing. So keep it personal because a lot of those early collectors and also some people that may keep buying a piece of your work every year for 10 years, which is what's happened with a few of my friends, they can be, you know, some of the best collectors. So One thing I did in the early years of building my collector base, I don't know that you can do it as easily anymore because of the way that Facebook has changed. But when I posted, I didn't have a Facebook business page for my art. I just had my personal page. So I was just posting on that as this is what I did today and what's going on in my life the way that we did back then in social media. I think it's all shifted and changed a little bit, but that was actually super valuable for me. And I recently went to my 30-year school reunion and I was so amazed. Like I knew people from my past who bought my art, but the amount of people that came up to me and said, I have a piece of your art, I love it, I've got it hanging on my wall. I was just absolutely amazed. So don't discount that some of your best collectors may be your friends that keep returning year after year. So keeping that personal touch with people I think is really important. And also even if you're growing online, keeping a personal tone to the way that you communicate because you want your other collectors that aren't your in real life friends to feel that way about you. That's an excellent point about family and friends. I actually, I ran a little coaching session yesterday and I was saying exactly that to my mentee, just saying, like, see if you can bring get, find that bravery in you to share on your personal Facebook page or your personal anything about what you're doing. But it's such a, um, it's in ways, it's more vulnerable doing sharing with family and friends than sharing with followers that theoretically you don't even know, like they're complete strangers. Why is that? Oh, because they're the ones that can hurt us, right? With their, with their, what they say, or even worse, with their silence. Yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. That can be a really vulnerable place. I'm not sure what to do about that. I think things have changed so much in social media too. Like it used to be that social media was social and now social media just almost feels like a series of business cards or highly curated content that's not as raw as it used to be. You know, this is part of the reason why I'm returning back around to doing an exhibition because I want to cultivate those real life connections again. Because when I look back at the collector base that I've built that have been, you know, the really big ticket commissions like, you know, decking out a whole medical clinic or just big projects. They are mostly people that I have some kind of connection with. There's been 
there have been lots of commissions with people that have just found me online and have followed me on Instagram. But I would say probably of the really big projects, probably 80% of them are people that I have some kind of connection with, even if it's just through someone else. And they're the people that tend to also get big ticket items like large scale commissions or big projects. So I, you know, I feel like everything has changed. Like I used to be able to not keep up with demand and it's not that way for me anymore with selling my art. I think there's so much more of it going on, on Instagram. And, you know, now there's TikTok and the audience is shifting and that I'm kind of looking at it going, okay, well, we need to rethink this and reassess because what used to work doesn't work as well anymore. One thing I have done since the very beginning, Roz, and I know you would teach your students this as well, is capturing email addresses. You must capture people's email address. You've got to have a newsletter list that to me is, it's just, there's no other way around it. You're too vulnerable if you're putting all of your eggs in the social media basket. That way you can always connect with people. And most online platforms will also give you a way to collect that information that tells you about who that person is and what they might be interested in. So if they're interested in learning art from you, you can have a segment for that. If they're interested in buying your art, you can have a segment for that. All you know, down to whatever micro level you want to do that. Because then they become part of the journey. And I actually think that's the juiciest part for people following you as an artist is they become invested in your creative journey and seeing what you're going to come up with next. So, you know, hopefully they'll come and keep keep reopening those emails. But I always try and keep connection and with people that I've had those bigger projects with because the connection leads on to other connections. You know, like a group of friends that are my predominantly my husband's friends, they're now my friends. You know, one of them might have gotten artwork and then another couple has seen it at their house and then they're like, oh well, maybe we'll get one. So you know everything is interconnected and snowballs. So I don't know even know if I've given you any concrete tips there because I don't really know any concrete tips anymore. There's no one size fits all. But, you know, in doing an exhibition, what I'm hoping is going to happen in that is I'm going to, I'm going to reconnect with local people, which I've really missed doing in the last couple of years. I'm going to be able to showcase my work in a completely different way, which I'm really excited about. One of the things I love about art galleries, I mean, for me, going into an art gallery is probably for what it is for some people to go into a church. It's a really special space. And I go into a special place within myself when I go into one. So I'm really looking forward to being able to curate that and put an experience together in that way. I will be collecting those email addresses every chance I get and hopefully selling a whole bunch of art. So it ticks a lot of boxes and I, and it just feels like the next logical way to get out there and have conversations with people and find out what they need too. Because I think people's spending habits are changing and the way that they want to connect with people and purchase is different to what it was before COVID. So yeah, does that even answer your question? I don't know. Yeah, it does. There were some really valuable tips. So for anyone that hasn't set up an email collection. Go and do it. Page. Yeah, go, <laughs> go and do that now. I don't think you can start on that too early. So it can feel a little bit 
funny when you're just collecting one or two emails here or there, but you know, they're people who it builds up. It does. And they're people who are interested. So get get that detail, those details. And don't discard those personal connections as well. Don't assume that, yeah, your personal contacts might not be interested in your art because the art speaks for itself. So it might, you know, spark something within them and they might need your art in their life. Mindset wise, you know, when you're sharing a post around your art, perhaps something like, this is what I'm up to today, like you were saying, Suze. So you're not selling your art, you're just letting people know what you're up to. And that's it. And if they're interested, they will comment or they will message you or something like that. Mm, Yeah, absolutely. When you're doing a collection too, I think keeping track of what you're doing as you're creating it and just doing those posts, you know, it takes people a while to figure out that they want to buy a big ticket item like that. So you need to keep reconnecting them with it. And when they connect with the whole journey and you've been really personal in how you've shared about that, I think that really helps. Mm, Yeah, I think that's what you do really well, Susan. So we're going to add all of your links and the information in the show notes. I can't wait to come to the opening. I'm so excited. I've already seen a little sneak peek of what has been brewing in your studio and you have been sharing the journey. So you have been sort of giving people a taste of what to expect. Now, are you going to have it on your website for sale? So I'll I'll give you a link and if people sign up to my art newsletter list, so I have a couple, I have an art and an education newsletter list. So if they sign up to my art newsletter list, they'll get a beautiful email that has all the different things that I'll be doing throughout the month and all of the details of the exhibition in there and all the links. So yeah, it will be available for pre-sale on my website. So anyone that wants to access the pre-sale, which which will be going out to my newsletter list, then uh, come and sign up. And yeah, it's going to be great fun. And if you're in Ballarat, come. It'll be really, it'll be a lovely night. I'm hoping it won't be like, the weather won't be like this. Gosh, the rain today. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And thank you, Laura. You helped me design my flyer. This is the really badly, this is a bad photocopy version, but Laura saved my butt. (laughs) I was like, my pleasure. I'm just, I've started, but graphic design is not my thing. Come and save me. And she came and saved me. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, that was super awesome. I hope our listeners have found some awesome tips. Let us know what you've taken from this podcast. We'd love to know. And I think Susan has given us some really good action steps and advice for starting out in art business. Roz, we wanted to drop in a little promo for our event that's coming up in November, our first year anniversary, our podcast first year anniversary. I can't believe that's coming up in November too. Congratulations. Like That's amazing. Yeah. You know the funny thing, Suze, when we started, I wanted to do our episodes weekly and Laura's like, no, 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 no. Roz, I think monthly. And we landed on fortnightly. And I have to tell you, little like excited Energizer Bunny over here is really glad that we're fortnightly because I actually, honestly, 100%, we would not have gotten to a year if it was weekly because we're both busy in different ways. And yeah, so thank you, Laura. But yes, so we do have our first year birthday, our first birthday, and we're having a little bit of a celebration on Saturday, the 12th of November in Melbourne CBD. And I was completely soothed thinking just then about how maybe, maybe 
I can hire a car and come to Ballarat for your show on the same week. Oh, what date? When are you coming? When is it? It's the 12th of November. Oh, yeah. Why don't you? You should do that. Why don't you? It'll still be on. Yeah. Your exhibition will still be on. Come and visit this in Ballarat. I'm totally thinking I need to somehow wing it. I, maybe I need to stay an extra night. And then, you know, you've got kiddos. I have the mum guilt. I'm like, how long can I be away? And they'll still be happy. So, Oh, uh, no, you've got to just bust that right now. It's good for them to learn how to be away from you. How old are yours, Roz? Five and seven. They're still little, I get it. Yeah, and I'm actually quite a sensitive on the emotional side. So I don't want them to be sad that I'm gone. But anyway, we'll work it out. We'll work it out. And I will try. (laughs) But that would be fun if you could come. Yes, I'll do my best. Yeah. But yeah, I hope that goes really well for you both too. That'll be great. People should totally go along. Nice to meet everyone in person, I think. Yeah, well, that's the thing like about that in-person connection. And I'm really looking forward to it. And fun fact, everyone, Roz and I have never met in person. <laughs> Can you believe it? I couldn't believe that when you told me that. Yeah, we've been working together on a podcast for one year and just got to know each other through a computer screen. So I can't wait to give you a big in-person hug. <laughs> Laura, be warned. You know the feedback I get from online versus in real life is, oh, I thought you were a lot smaller. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Okay. (laughs) Oh, dear. Mm, It's different. Yeah, different perceptions, I guess. But interesting, interesting. So to wrap up, I did want to say, um, make sure that you head over to Suze's Instagram account, give her a follow, hop on her mailing list as we've been talking about. And if there's anyone else you think we should interview, please don't be shy. Let us know. Um, Drop Laura or I a DM. And if you enjoyed this episode, make sure you leave us a review over on Apple Podcasts or perhaps on Spotify, just do the five stars. I reckon five stars is good. What do you think, Suze? Yeah, definitely five. Anything less is an insult and Ros will cry. (laughs) (laughs) And then that'll make my children cry and it'll just be really bad. All right, well, let's wrap it up. Thank you so much. Sending lots of love. Appreciate your time, Suze. Uh, My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Pleasure. Bye. Bye. Bye.